really want people to connect with their why. And so when something doesn't feel good, it doesn't feel good for a reason. Whether it's an agent, a publisher, a marketing person, it doesn't matter. If it doesn't feel right, don't do it. That it really is that easy. If it doesn't feel good in your heart and in your soul, don't do it. There is always another way. There's always someone else to work with. You know, it's like, you've got to live with yourself. You know, like that book in a day type situation. If you, within your mind and heart, can, can say, I did this with love and compassion and you feel good about it, then by all means, do it. But if there's a piece of you that doesn't feel good about the process, reevaluate. Welcome to the Leadership Junkies podcast brought to you by Cartavera, the leadership development ecosystem that helps you grow your people, grow your business and grow your life. Today we are with Jay Herman and Jay Herman, I love this title. She is a storyteller, a badassery advocate and CEO of Jay Herman Storytelling Studio and Badassery Lab. The title today is Telling Your Story, A Badass Guide to Book Writing. Jay is your Sherpa for writing a book, the public, the writing process, the inside, going inside work and look at your self story, the part of putting the book together, uh, even how is it going to be published, how are you going to use it in your business, in your life. Jay is the person who is just bringing so much wisdom today to the process of writing a book and not just the actual writing, but the process of assessing where is that booking come from? Does it, does it, the book need to come out of you and what ways is it going to come out of you? Helping you to really understand at a deep level, the why for your book. And this is so vital, this part to help you navigate the fears and the doubts and the imposter syndrome that so often shows up with authors and wannabe authors. So this is going to be a stimulating conversation about bringing that story out of you and turning it into a book and sharing it in the world. Welcome to the Leadership Junkies podcast, where we explore leadership, business, and personal growth to help you grow your business and live a richer life. We're your hosts, Jeff Dishwitz and Craig Matthews. We believe that leaders have to put their people first. And if you don't have time to grow your people, then you're not leading. Get ready for conversations that will challenge your thinking and help you transform your leadership and your business. Welcome to your bigger business and bigger life. We are thrilled to be here today with a friend of mine. Jay Herman is with us. She is a multi-passionate creative entrepreneur, a storyteller, editor, and I love this, a badassery advocate. (laughs) And I can attest to this, Jay herself is a badass. And she uses empowerment and positive mindset coaching to help writers overcome self-doubt and, of course, imposter syndrome to -hmm. help them share their stories like a boss. She's a veteran copy editor and proofreader, and she helps marketing agencies, nonprofits, authors, and busy boss ladies craft stellar content. When she's not doing her work, she's a she's a junkie for sci-fi action movies. Yoo-hoo. All right. She, she loves, I don't know this, obscure nutrition facts. I have no <laughs> idea what that is. And she apparently spends a lot of time in very deep philosophical conversations with her opinionated cat. Mr. Skimps. So <laughs> Mr. welcome, Skimps. Jay. <laughs> Thank you both for having me. This is great. Great to have you here. I am looking forward to hearing some more about your sci-fi addiction too. Okay. That's, that's where I am too. <laughs> so Jay, give us a little bit of the Jay Herman background story. 
Oh my gosh, it, it's like an onion or I tell people a parfait. There are Does that layers. mean we're going to cry? <laughs> you might, you might. Um, but yeah, my story is very, very layered. Um, I started in the legal field in criminal justice before moving on to uh, being a jewelry designer. Um, that started my entrepreneurial foray. And then I got into media production and that kind of led me to what I'm doing now as an editor. That's the Cliff Notes version. Wow. Okay. Well, that's quite a journey. Let's let's explore that a little bit. So you start off in the criminal justice system, the legal world, and of course, it's a natural transition <laughs> to jewelry designer. So you can talk a little bit about just that transition alone. You see, I wanted to be Clarice Starling from Silence of the Lambs. Oh, I, I wanted okay. to to do the whole forensic psychology thing. And I got jaded, you know, by just the system and the whole process of, you know, who's guilty and who's not and, and, and that kind of thing. And I graduated college and went into the military because I thought, you know what, if I'm going to join the FBI and change the world, I should probably have some military experience to go along wow. with my college degree. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that process was not, no, it wasn't great. And uh, when I got out, I was newly married and a bored housewife. And in the process of going through that, that life change, I found jewelry making and decided, hey, I can do this. Let me try it. And I did and got up the gumption to walk into a boutique and say, I am representing a new artist. Would you be interested in seeing her work? <laughs> And uh, she was actually impressed, and that started me in the wholesale jewelry design business. Wow. <laughs> did, you, did you walk out the door and come back in after she said she'd <laughs> like to meet the artist? Nope. It took me, it took me some months before I confessed. It, oh. Yeah, yeah. I had, to get, I had to completely reel her in and get that contract before I could say, by the way, <laughs> it's me. <laughs> Wow. So wow. we have another layer here. So you served in the military. What, what yeah. branch did you serve in? I was in the army, military police corps. So okay. military, <laughs> that's a tough unit. Yeah, it yeah. is. My dad was in the Marine side. Oh, wow. Yeah. Military police is policing. What's the old saying? Policing the killers? Yeah, I, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> I believe the fifth. Wow. So, so jewelry. So I, I totally get it. I'm a, I'm a creative as well and love to play with things. I love the physical side. So like, like pottery was my thing for three years. Mm. Um, had a show and I haven't touched it in the last 22 years. Yeah. But yeah. It's so fun to create. Well, I didn't have a, I, at least I didn't think I had a creative bone in me. I wasn't, you know, creative in school or anything like that. And huh. I really, I fell into it. I started reading magazines. And, you know, I think it's said that women buy lots of shoes. I started collecting gemstones. My, my grandfather kind of turned me, into, turned me on to collecting rocks and things like that. And so I had that interest. But putting them together with metalwork was completely new to me. I had to mm. learn everything from scratch, all of the tools, the techniques. And it was just kind of fun, exciting, and different to do something that was completely different than I had ever done. Now, what I've found is that multi-passionate people tend to just be really curious about a lot of things. Is that you? Uh, yes and no. Really? I'm, I'm curious about a lot of things 
but within a really small vacuum, I, I guess you hmm. could say. So, you know, if it's if it's legalese or anything around, you know, um, psychology and the forensics of psychology and just the conscious life consciousness, sustainability, um, things like that. Yes, I'm all over it. Like, okay. you know, I, I read sci-fi daily. <laughs> um, but just overall, like being wondrous of everything. No, I, I, I do have to reel it in. So okay. I, I kind of stay more focused on, you know, academia of writing and sci-fi stuff and sustainability stuff and no more design. <laughs> so Jay, so you've got this jewelry business. You're, mm -hmm. you know, you're living this from this creative place. You've started a business and yet you go through another transition and end up in the copy editing book author coaching world. <laughs> how, how does that come out of jewelry making? It wasn't yep. a straight shot. Um, I went into, let's see, from jewelry design, I found that I was doing a lot of research on my supplies and my suppliers and found that jewelry design is a very uh, environmentally devastating hmm. thing and I couldn't do it. Okay. So the more research that I did on how to be more sustainable in my business and in my life, I found that it would probably be a good idea to document that to help other people make similar decisions. So I started um, an online digital publication, which introduced me to writers. And then I had to learn how to manage writers and editors and things like that. So that was sort of like my beginning phase into the realm of editing. Being so is your title something like Jewelry Doesn't Rock? <laughs> Really <laughs> <laughs> no, I was actually more, I was more simple. I, it was Jazzy's Jewelry, believe it or not. Um, okay. Jasmine, which was my middle. <laughs> so wow. you start, so you start to make this transition and you go from this jewelry to the research and you're doing some writing and you're interacting with writers, which sounds like leads you to where you are today. But I'm going to guess with you that even what you do today has evolved since you got it, into it. So talk about the transition within the writing most world. Definitely. Yeah. So I went from doing that. And again, I'm interacting with a lot of writers, but along the same time, I started doing video work to accompany the digital publication. Hmm. And from that, I had some, some colleagues that I worked with in marketing reach out and say, Hey, would you like to do some video stuff for us? Going from media producing, I guess you would say, into media production was the next phase. I had some colleagues that wanted me to do video production work for them. So I did. Um, and it was just a really nice transition to start working with marketing campaigns and finding typos and recognizing that a lot of business people, unfortunately, don't necessarily write well. And it's I found not just that business I was, people. <laughs> I was just I was doing it a lot more, and I found that I really, really enjoyed it. I'd done some some tutoring and some editing in college, and I found, oh my god, I get to do this again. And I, I just I yeah. really like helping people um, rearrange their words so that they shine a bit better. I like to say that I polish your copy as opposed to rewriting copy. Um, yeah. And it, it's just it's where I feel the most comfortable right now, and it really works for my clients. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that was actually my major is um, it's copy editing and uh, writing. Awesome. Yep. 
That's so now, Jay, I, now I know who to turn to when I need some extra. Help. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> right. So Jay, before we dig more into the writing, the editing, the coaching you do, in your introduction, you described yeah. yourself as a badassery advocate. Yeah. So how does that show up in your life? What does that look like? Yeah, well, you know, I did a rebranding of my business a few years ago to add in the badassery component. And I did that because my husband, soon to be ex, um, told me that I was being dishonest with my clients in describing myself as a badass. He actually said, you are, you are weak and you shouldn't try and tell people or give people advice on how to be strong or confident. And I, that was, that was a devastating blow, Wow! you know, coming from someone that I, I loved and trusted, but upon reflection, he was right at the mm. time that he said that I wasn't feeling very strong. I had just gone through surgery. I'd gone through some devastating emotional things and I had to recognize my ability to work in the face of feeling afraid or feeling weak or feeling vulnerable is my brand of badass. Gotcha. And helping people to understand that that is a good thing and not a detriment. That's when I said, you know what? I'm claiming it. I'm going to do this. <laughs> and so I own it. I own badassery advocate because I do enjoy advocating for people's um, ability to find that within themselves. Yeah, it is so important that we we come to recognize that. I I bought the book. I am a badass for my wife, and then I bought her the button, <laughs> nice. so that she could hit, she could hit the button. You are a badass. <laughs> I love it. I need it. I need that button too. <laughs> yeah. So so Jane, let's let's talk about that. You know, I I've, I've written books, and I travel in circles of authors, some authors and coaches and speakers and consultants. And, and human beings who <laughs> it seems like 90% of the world talks about or thinks about writing a book. And while there's a lot of books being published today, a lot more than even 20 years ago, there's a lot of people still sitting on the sideline. Most of them with the same question, does it matter? Will it matter? Is anybody going to care? So talk about the kind of conversations you have with the people you work with who are thinking about sharing a story. First and foremost, yes, everyone has a story to tell. However, that doesn't necessarily mean it should be told. <laughs> and I say that because, you know, one of the first things I ask my clients when they talk to me about writing a book is I ask them, how will this benefit your reader? Yeah. Or is this a power play? Or is this about your ego? Which is fine. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. However, the, the benefit of sharing your story is understanding that it, is, it becomes your legacy, a piece of your legacy. And your legacy should be about helping and loving and being kind and empowering to other people. So that's where I start with, with a lot of my authors is understanding, well, why do you want to do this and who's it going to help? And once we get past you know, it's, it's something I want to leave for my grandkids kind of, kind of thing. And it's like, no, I really feel like this helped me or this person helped me, or I learned this and I feel that this would help be helpful to someone else. Then it's like, okay, now we can dig in and work at the foundation of the strength of you telling your story and the strength of you being vulnerable and not shying away from 
you know, the pieces that, you know, may not look or sound as good to someone else. Um, that's, that's that foundational piece that I, I enjoy the most more than the technical aspect of editing. So Jay, that's interesting. So I'm curious, you said at the opening of your last answer that everybody's got a story in them, but not all of them should be written or told. <laughs> yes. And I'm curious, those that from your perspective, maybe don't need to be told, is that driven by the why of the person? Like, is it the, a, a really authentic why? Or is it driven by something else when you're giving them because you're giving them input? It's not necessarily driven by whether what they're wanting to share is inauthentic. Um, following your creative intuition, you know, that, that, that passion thing that tugs at your heart and moves you to, to write or to dance or whatever that passion spark is, that's where we need to, you know, connect with. And for that person that says, I don't, I don't feel that I'm connected to that or, um, that doesn't feel as strong to me as it did years ago, or um, I have all of these things I've written in a journal and I just want to put them together. That's, that's where that work is in, in determining if this is a story that should be put and bound and the amount of investment and work that goes into publishing and releasing a book. That's what I help people understand. It's not simply when I say, is it a story that should be told? I'm not talking about the content necessarily. I'm talking about the emotional and financial investment. Is this really, really, really where you want to go with this story or with this idea or with this concept or sharing your expertise? If they're willing to do that, then yes, let's dig in. Let's do the work, whatever it takes. But if they're like, oh, shit, <laughs> no, that's not really where I want to go. Then we need to reevaluate if that story should be told or yeah, great point. Now, you're clearly helping a lot of people who have businesses. And when they write a book that can support their businesses, do you find that there are other people that are just wanting to get a story out there, you know, maybe more on the fiction side? Most well? definitely. And, and a lot of the business and entrepreneur people that I work with, they, they are wanting to share their memoir. They're wanting to share, you know, how I got here and, you know, the trials and tribulations that I went through before I became a success or what have you. Um, that's, that's been probably a good 80% of the work that I do with authors more so than, you know, the, the fictional, or I'm waiting for that good sci-fi to come my way. So <laughs> I, I, I can dig into a good sci-fi waiting. for. That. <laughs> so, so Jay, to that point, um, again, I, I think because I've written books, people ask me this question all the time about writing books. And what I hear often is a belief they have that I'm going to write this book and I'm going to sell millions of copies <laughs> and get rich. And so I'm curious, how often are you working with authors who are coming to the table with this idea that all they have to do is write a book and it'll be amazing. And they'll sell hundreds of thousands of them at least to, I mean, like, do you hear that a lot? And what's that conversation seem? Um, uh, I do not get that a lot. Um, I, and I'm going to say, thankfully, <laughs> thankfully, <laughs> when folks find me they're they've usually gone through something that's knocked them down a few notches. And the humility, you know, is is probably at the greatest point, maybe in then their whole careers. And so when they come to me, it's like, just help me. I, I want to be helped. 
you know, and it's it's more about that than it is I want to sell a gazillion copies and make lots of money. And I'm thankful for that because that's a hard conversation to have with someone to say, that's probably not going to happen. You know, because there are, and you know, you've done this. There are so many levels and layers. And again, having a marketing background and having those conversations when they do come up, like, okay, you've got to have your platform and you got to have your, your author's website and you got to put in the time to promote yourself. And, you know, yeah, that's a lot. And a lot of people just don't want to do that. Now, do you think that people really need, if, if they're wanting to really launch their book and, and get that out there, do they need to be working with a PR person to, to do that? Or do you see that traditional or maybe more uh, electronic digital marketing can help? Digital marketing most definitely helps and it, it is the most inexpensive route to go traditional, you know, working with an agent and a publisher, I, I believe that those, those avenues are few and far between for most people. And, you know, if they don't have a, a, a good support or if they don't have a good system in place, but working with a good PR person, working with a good social media person is important. Okay. So I'm curious about this, where people are coming from. You're saying people have gone through things. I know for myself on a couple books and other authors have told me that the writing of the book was really healing for them. Do you find that with many of your authors? Oh, most definitely. And, and also we didn't really touch on my choosing to focus on copy editing full time came about because of an experience that I went through. And I, I think that's why the authors that find me are in similar positions because of the story that I, I tell about my life and going through breast implant um, illness. So that, that's a different avenue. You know, even though I'm working with a lot of business people and I'm, you know, working with their marketing stuff, again, they're, they've gone through an illness, a sickness, a surgery, a death, or something that has transformed their concept of life and living. So uh, now I'm, I've got a couple of questions. I'm going to see which order to go in. Okay. Let me go with this one because you just spoke to the fact that they've gone through something. Mm -hmm. And I'll say just for myself, particularly with speakers and then sometimes in their books, they'll write about the experience. They'll talk about the experience. And many times they don't tell me what to do with it. Mm -hmm. They don't give me like the tools it, it is inspirational. Mm -hmm. It sort of says, well, if they can overcome that, I can. But I'm curious, how much do you work with your authors about turning their story into the story, but also what people can take away from it to use right. in their own lives? Right. So that foundational work that I, I mentioned that I, I try and do with most everyone I work with helps them to have the tools, how best to tell a story. So in my telling my story, yes, I like to be encouraging and empowering and, and inspirational, but I'm also not the person to say, do it exactly this way. That's not something I will ever do, which is also why I don't necessarily call myself a coach. I say I'm an advocate. Mm -hmm. And I do that because I think it's important for most everyone to recognize that your creative intuition is about what speaks to you. You know, I have a, a, my, my old Jewish father who says to me, your, your prayers what does he say? Your intuition is um, you talking to God. 
God talking back is your intuition. We, you have to trust that. And so really to answer your question, when I say tools, I, I have technical things that I can give you to find a theme and your, your tags and you know how to show up every day and be organized. But everything else has to come from you. I can tell you what I do, but then you have to take that and find what works best for you by following your creative intuition. So two parts to the answer to your question. Yes, the tools need to be present, right? You know, a step-by-step, but then what you do with the tools or what you do with listening or reading someone else's story, that's got to come from within. I can't give you that. Does that make sense? It does. Um, one question I'm curious about in terms of working with your authors, I experienced this, I would say, most with my second book. And there had been a gap between the first and second. It was the first really personal book I wrote. And I was sharing bits of it, like in my newsletter mm-hmm. before it came out. And it was easy. And then I went to share a part of it that was the most vulnerable in that book. And I probably had ever been at that point. And I remember writing that newsletter and pausing like a long time, <laughs> like hours before sending it, because wow, what hit me, me was I had been speaking about it, but I realized when, when I actually print this, it's theoretically available to anyone in the world. And there was a permanency that terrified me. Hmm. I'm curious how often do people basically have fear of sharing their story because they're not sure how people will receive it. Ah, well, that is a component of imposter syndrome, feeling like, should I tell this story? What will people think of my story? Or, you know, once I share this vulnerable piece that they'll think less of me or they'll feel that I'm uh, less than capable in my professional career because I've, I've had this thing happen in my personal life why? It really comes down to why do, you, why do you feel that way? You know, and then so I get the answer. Well, because I think they're going to feel like this. Okay, then what? Well, then maybe I won't get so many clients. Then what? Yeah, well, were they the right clients then to begin with? Exactly. It's like go through the litany of the why and what what's that going to do? And usually the answers I get are like, oh, wait, that's, that's really not that important. Or I don't really have that many bucks to give or something, you know, and that realization, that's the empowerment. That's the empowerment. That's the empowerment piece of, I don't need to care because at the end of the day, no one's going to die if I share this story. You know, <laughs> right. the world isn't going to stop rotating on its axis where, you know, there's not going to be a tsunami that, that, that catches me if I do this. And so if the, if the very worst things that you could possibly think of are not going to happen by you hitting send, then do it, you know, and to caveat that, then I ask them, what's the best thing that you hope to accomplish by sharing this, Yeah. that change, that reframing, then it's like, oh, I hope that someone reads this will, will realize that they can do it too, or that, yep. you know, the situation isn't as bad or whatever, whatever that best case scenario is, once that becomes the focus, then most of that other stuff just goes away. Yeah. That's, you know what, I hate to, I hate to break this news to you, Jay, but uh, based upon that last answer, you are a coach 
because <laughs> <laughs> that that whole then what series is a brilliant set of coaching questions in my opinion they help because it's something i use in my coaching practice to help people really understand what they're actually afraid of and to realize it's not as big as they thought or as likely as they thought so i call that peeling the onion so hate to tell you, but you're a coach too. <laughs> well, thank well, I, you. <laughs> I will say just based on where we are right now, you know, the Olympics is going on at this point. And just yesterday we heard that Simone Biles is, has stepped back a little bit for her own mental health, which some people are like, well, wait, she's representing our country. She can't do that. But oh my gosh, what a great role model yes. to say, Hey, you know, you got to take care of yourself too. Most, most definitely. I applaud. Can you imagine how much stress and pressure that she must have felt in making that decision or, sure. or even before that coming to that realization that she needed to make that decision. Yep. I applaud that. That's absolutely. That's amazing. I mean, so that's a I'm gutsy glad. move because yeah. you know, the, the norm would be, you know, I've put all this stuff into it. I just got to mm -hmm. tough it out. Right. Exactly. But, uh, wow. Yeah. Not, I wouldn't advocate for that. <laughs> right, right. Well, and, and a lot of people don't understand self-care. We're, we're getting there, but there's still a long way to go. But Very to true. that point, though, you're, you're helping people come to the realization that they have so much to share. Sure, there's a, a risk, if you'll call it that, but there's also the, the potential joy of letting other people know, hey, it's okay to be real. Yes, most, most definitely. It is it is more than okay and it's necessary. Um, yeah. Our humanity is, uh, is in jeopardy because we have so much distance. You know, mm -hmm. social media and, and the, the virtual world that we live in creates a lot of distance. And showing that we're just people and loving on each other and being kind is how we get back to a sense of community that I feel that we're missing. Yeah. I think there's a lot of posturing out there. But what I find is that. When, when I see people who are being genuine, it's much, much more attractive. Those are the kind of people that I want to work with. Mm -hmm. And it, it does make a difference in my willingness to both open my wallet, but also open my heart to them. Very, very true. It's interesting. I've been doing some work with Square. Those, those folks, they're awesome. And they seem to like me. Um, <laughs> we're, we're doing some marketing stuff. And she found a photo the the one gal I'm working with, one of my photos, she's, oh, we love that photo. We want to use it. I'm like, honey, that's just a selfie. It's like, oh, you're selfie queen. And I was like, uh-uh, selfie dork. I'm a selfie dork. That's, that, that's what that's about. And she's like, that's so awesome that you can call yourself a dork. I'm like, well, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. If you enjoy the Leadership Junkies podcast and you want to grow your leadership, we have a new course for you called Become a Confident Leader. In this course, we will share some of the keys to becoming more confident in your leadership and also to become more impactful. Go to cartavera.com slash confident to find out more. See you on the inside. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transformed where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, 
thought leaders and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcast, and now available on YouTube. I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? I've never done it. (laughs) Welcome back. So let me shift gears on you a minute. This question just popped in my head there. I'm going to call it a phenomenon right now. Maybe it's been around a while with books. I see a lot of folks out there saying, Hey, I can help you write a book in 24 hours. It'll be published in a week. That's all doable. I know it's doable. Uh, I look at that and having written a lot of books, I say, I have no interest in that. Uh, like, I don't understand the point of speed. Okay. So I'm curious about your thoughts on, I guess, really, I don't know, productizing books that they just, it's just a template. It's just a pump them out when it comes to storytelling. Hmm. I, I just recently read something on LinkedIn that said, if you want to be a well sought after speaker, you must write a book and market. <laughs> That that is your, that's the fast lane to be, becoming the next Oprah. And you know what? That, that might be true. Um, it goes back to the why. You know, why are you sharing this? And how will this benefit someone else? If you're, if you're willing to not put in the time and energy and effort to be loving in how you share your story, I, I, I don't want to judge that. That's, that is a very personal decision, but I know when my friends, my clients are my friends and family. I adopt any and everyone who, who come to me. When I spend time with them, that's energetic. That's with love. So that's not something I ever want to rush. And I think people should consider that when they're, when they're interested in sharing their story, you know, on a, in a book that someone can turn around in 24 hours. I would love to see that. <laughs> Well, I, I will have to say my personal opinion is that that sales pitch is so old it needs to be buried because uh, as a speaker and someone who's around a lot of speakers, I will say my opinion is that's absolutely not true, that it's helpful to have a book and having a book does absolutely not assure a speaking career. <laughs> right. It does not. I know right. people who have books and multiple books who don't speak much. That's a whole nother business topic. And it troubles me when people are out marketing it that way. Come to me. All you need is the book. And then your speaking career will soar. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. No. You'll have a book. What you'll do after that is you'll have a book. Right. Are there highly successful speakers who don't publish? 
Of um, yeah, there are. And there's okay. a couple. In fact, we had one on our show. Uh, Mark LeBlanc. Oh, yeah. Written, okay. He wrote one book, but he wrote it over 20 years ago. <laughs> and everybody keeps saying, you need to write a new book. He's like, why? <laughs> right. I wrote one book and they're still buying it 20 years later. And I still speak on the same book. Nice. He hasn't had to refresh anything. And I think Mark yep. actually is a great example. He didn't have a website for a long time. <laughs> well, but but technically he wrote a book. So what I'm asking is, are there speakers who don't write books that do really well? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. But I think the bigger issue is, it is, I, I'm going to just say, it's a falsehood that says a book will accelerate your career. I that's think a, that's more. That's a true statement. I think more, you know, when I, I did look at this LinkedIn article because I was curious, honestly, what they were saying is, yeah, we want to help you to write this book and get it published because that's a fee for us. But more, it's marketing your book that potentially puts eyes on you and your profile yeah. and that potentially, you know, gets you more speaking. So I'll push back on that a little bit, Jeff. I think that having a book can help your your career it it won't necessarily but it doesn't necessarily hurt it either that's not what i said unless I, the book certainly can i agree it can but i'm yeah. saying the statement that having a book will accelerate your speaking career is a false statement okay as a will that it will okay there's gotcha. no in fact there's absolute tons of evidence that it's absolutely false because you look at how many people have books like frankly go to nsa national speakers association convention Everybody's got a book and, and something like 40 for 50, 40, 50% of the people that are there are not even sustaining themselves in their speaking, oh. business. but they got a book. There's so much more. And that's the thing yeah. that I'm concerned there about. There's so much, and you know, this Jay, there's the book, mm -hmm. there's the marketing, there's the PR, there's the platform, there's selling them as part of your speaking business. Yeah. I mean, the reality is most people don't sell a lot of books today. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's paying your dues in a sense, you know, it's, it's connecting with the people that you supposedly want to help. That's, that's the component that I think, unfortunately, we don't talk enough about because at the end of the day, it's really about who, who benefits from, from reading what you have to say. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure you, I think you've, you've probably come across this, Jay. One of the things that I think is a, a misnomer or something about the traditional publishing world. Today, the traditional publishers, they have one key question if you propose a book to them and they want to know how big is your profile, how big is your platform yes. already? Yes, that is very They're true. They're more focused on how many books they believe you'll sell just because of your platform without even thinking about what the book is. That is very true. I have a lovely author who I adore. Um, Lindsay Oliver is a, um, I want to call her the Jane Bond of investigative work. She works in, in animal research and uh, in, um, I want to say that she's one of the most passionate authors I've had an opportunity to work with. And she came to me with an agent. And one of the first things that they wanted her to have was this, this huge following. And she's like, I just want to focus on the story. I just want to focus on who I'm helping. And I thought, yeah, you're perfect for me, but not necessarily for the agent that you're with. Yeah. Hmm. So, so Jay, when folks come to you, you've talked about a lot of them already. When come, people come to you about the idea of a book, 
what are some of the key things that you're going to ask them about? The key things, like I, I mentioned earlier, is wanting to understand why this book is important, who it will help. <laughs> Big question. How soon do you want your story to be out in the world? That's very important. And um, understanding where they are in their lives with, you know, being connected to their, their, their creativity. You know, is this more about a, a business component, which we've talked about, or is this, is this a, a passion project that they wanted to work on and never got a, around to it? Yeah, it's interesting. I see several different approaches of, of how people write books. And like my, my dad, after he retired, he's written 23 books, all of them self-published. Mm -hmm. All of them have not had an external editor other than my mom helping out a little bit here and there. Um, and I see other people like my first book, I went through a publisher, I saw it on the shelves and that was awesome. But that was a different time. I mean, that was back mm -hmm. in 2003. Now I see a lot of people focusing on self-publishing, getting it out there, putting it online, um, using it as a as a basically a business card as mm -hmm. well. Is there a is there a right path for different people, or does it really depend on what the what the goals are? It really depends on what the goals are and the person. You know, there from I don't believe that there's a cookie cut. You know, publish yeah. a book by numbers type of thing, because no matter who you work with, they're going to need to pivot. And, and there are certain caveats to, you know, what the subject matter is. There's just so many variables that yeah. need to be considered as opposed to say, this is exactly how it's done. And this is exactly mm -hmm. how you're going to be famous. And this is, this is exactly about the amount of money you're going to make. It really depends upon the person and the genre. And there are just so many different, so many levels. So it sounds like people who are considering writing a book need to really be cautious about who they're talking to about the approach that they need to take. If it's a, if it's a publisher that has a defined process, mm -hmm. then they may want to step back and say, wait, I, maybe I need to talk to somebody like Jay who can help me figure out what the right approach is. Is that accurate? That is accurate because, you know, ultimately for me personally, it's not okay. You only, it's, it will benefit you to only work with me. That's never my, my end sure. game. I really want people to connect with their why. Mm -hmm. And so when something doesn't feel good, it doesn't feel good for a reason. Whether yeah. it's an agent, a publisher, a marketing person, it doesn't matter. If it doesn't feel right, don't do it. <laughs> that, it really is that easy. If it doesn't feel good in your heart and in your soul, don't do it. There is always another way. There's always someone else to work with. You know, it's like, you've got to live with yourself. You know, like that yeah. book in a day type situation. If you within your mind and heart can can say, I did this with love and compassion and you feel good about it, then by all means, do it. Gotcha. But if there's a piece of you that doesn't feel good about the process, reevaluate. Now, what stage do you get involved with people? Is it at the at the outset when they're just thinking about it and they're they're kind of trying to figure out what the outline is going to look like? Or is it farther in? Yes, and <laughs> more often than not, I work with uh, authors who have at least something written, if not okay. a full manuscript. And, you know, then we determine, do we need to get into some developmental editing? Do we need to, you know, work on an outline? Do we need to refocus characters? I, I, I shy away from, I have this idea for a book. Can you help me? Because 
that just has a lot of different components to yeah. you know so if i'm if i'm doing some quote unquote coaching to help a writer understand the process of writing that is totally different than help me with my book right. those are two two different areas gotcha so with the work you do, Jay, do you actually help the authors with a writing process? You just referenced process. Yes. Yes, I do. And is that typically customized or have you created some of your, I guess, foundational elements of a process that you feel works well? My foundational aspects I put together in an intensive, I call a badass intensive that I do with my writers to go through a process. Um, but it is still customized because just, you know, everyone is different. And um, the foundational work that I do, like, you know, working on positive self-affirmations and belief beacons, which is what I call them, you know, I might have someone who's already done that type of work. So then it's just kind of like a, an overview. But the rest of the process of connecting to, you know, what are my, what are my themes and what are my values and what are my beliefs about this topic, that's customized for each, each of my clients. So, so one question I think is important to ask you, especially for authors who might be considering a book. One thing that troubles me is there's a lot of folks today who say they do everything. Mm. They'll say, come to us and say, we'll help you publish it. We have editors, we have development editors, we have graphic design, we have marketing, we have PR. And I've learned to be pretty skeptical because I haven't found it yet, unless it's a massive agency that they're good at a few things and some other things they're not as good at. I mean, what's your thought about the people who are saying we're a one-stop shop for everything to need to take your book from concept to bestseller? Well, I'm with you. Like you said, a, a person versus an agency or a firm, right? So um, there are resources that I recommend for writers when they're looking for a one-stop shop. Reads is one of them. And, um, Scribe Media is another, but again, these are these are agencies, you know, that have different departments that can work with authors and writers along the entire process. But going to one person such as myself, who, yes, I know graphic design. Yes, I know marketing. Yes, I'm an editor and I'm a writer, but do I want to do all of those things <laughs> with someone? Right. Of course not. And that's just crazy pants. That that would be uh too much for me to do. I would, I would want to hire that out. So, and because I don't do that, like I said, I would, I would offer those resources. So I would be leery of going to a person who says I can do it all because again, just because you can, doesn't mean that you should. Hmm. Hmm. Well, you know, there's also the aspect of coordination, you know, because somebody hmm. that says, okay, we can do it all doesn't necessarily mean that they're doing it all in-house, that they they can contract with other people and take that burden off of you to find all of the other people. But you're saying you haven't even found that, Jeff? Uh, well, if they tell me they're doing that, then I'm more open to it. Oh, okay. The ones I've found, they're saying, no, we're good at all mm -hmm. of this. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and, and I, I would, think I'd the key is, and I just talked to a book publisher last a couple of weeks ago through Lunch Club, and he said, yeah, we do books. We don't claim to do marketing because that's a whole different ball game. It is. And we tried to do it, but we were doing it poorly. And we just figure out this is what we're really good at. And we have people that will refer them to versus trying to say that we can be good at that element. It's very yeah. different than the book part. It is. Very true. 
So, so Jay, I'm curious over the last um, number of years, have you seen an uptick in people who are looking to write the book? Oh my God. Yes. Hmm. <laughs> Most definitely. Uh, and the, the, the pandemic has hmm. freed uh, up a lot of time for, for people to reevaluate themselves and their lives and where they are and what they want to share. And so it's like, Oh, if I'm not going to work, there's that manuscript I started working on 20 years ago. I should just pick that up and finish it. That's, that's definitely been uh, a lot of the contact that I'm getting within the last six months to the last. So, so the question that's been gnawing at me since we started, I wrote it down and decided to save it for later. You <laughs> oh, are <dear>. a multi, <laughs> you're a multi-passionate person and you bring stories to life in books, right? Okay. What's your book? <laughs> um, I have a book. It is entitled Confessions of a Uniboober. <laughs> and it uh, chronicles my experience of going through breast implant illness. Hmm. Uh, I don't have a, a published date in mind. It's still something that I'm working on. But that is my book. That's a great title. <laughs> I know a, I know a coach and writer who's a badassery advocate <laughs> you might want to have a conversation with i might want to do that i might want to do that that's great so as you look at this whole um landscape of writing books telling our story you've shared a lot of things questions you ask authors what are important things but what's that the piece of people who are listening who are saying i've thought about a book where should they start before they even get to someone like you? Oh, my goodness. Before someone decides to sit down and pen a book, I would question, what else have you written? You know, <laughs> are, are, you, are you writing in a journal? Do you have a blog? Does your business have a blog that you're regularly contributing to and not, you know, sourcing that out to an intern? You know, if you have never written anything before, I would recommend for anyone who is interested in writing a book to consider if they even like writing first. <laughs> That's a good first point. First and foremost, you know, oh, I've got this story and I want to write a book. But if you don't like writing, if you're not writing in a journal, or if you're not contributing to your business blog, you know, regularly, then give that well, some thought first. Yeah, but I mean, that's where ghostwriters come in, right? They can they can extract the book from you? They can, but they're not going to extract that from the thin air. You still have to do some writing. I don't know how often I have to reiterate that with, with most people that come to me and say, I have a story that I don't necessarily want to write. Well, guess what? Your writer, your ghostwriter still needs something to pull from. So you need to do some sort of writing. And please enjoy that. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because I would say this is just anecdotal that I've seen a pro proliferation in ghostwriting the last five to 10 years, especially in the nonfiction space. There's a lot of companies that that's exactly what they're about. In fact, they don't want you to write the book. They say, we've got a system. We will interview you. We'll write the book. You'll stroke us a big check and you'll have that brand book. That's that label, brand book, brand book, brand book. Mm -hmm. Yep, not my area of expertise. Well, to me, if, if you're writing a nonfiction book, and this is something that's going to support your business, 
I would say you might want to talk to the marketing people first before you build out the whole book, because there are going to be things that you want to include in that book, such as QR codes, links, things like that, that need to be in there for you to really get the most out of that book. Is that, am I off base there? Oh, the marketing component of a book, would I say, would I recommend looking at that piece first? I mean, personally, I would not. Okay. Because, and you know, you both know this, the process of writing that book is so layered. That's why a lot of books don't get finished. And so if you're looking at that end component that you may never get to first, it's kind of like, you know, the chicken and the egg, you know, kind of thing. It's like, let's, let's do the work first and then determine how we're going to get the work out. Okay. Well, and I would say for if <laughs> I probably could have looked at marketing sooner in mine, I find it fascinating yeah. that my work has been about business. My client work has typically about been about business and business leadership. And yet all of my books have been about personal leadership <laughs> and personal growth. So they haven't always, they've always fit, but they weren't the perfect mm -hmm. fit, yeah. which is why I'm writing a book now that is going to be my first book that really fits with what the business is about. Very integrated, but a focus on business leadership in the context of business. But I wrote, but I wrote what I cared about. I wrote from the heart. I wrote what I needed to come out of me and then figured out how it would fit. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm an advocate for that. Definitely. On the other hand, I had written the book, Absolute Beginner's Guide to Title PCs, thinking that I was going to build a business around it. And then once I finished with the book, I was like, I really don't want to do this. Do this. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't do anything else. I did not help market the book, but uh, that different process. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Jay, the question uh, as we wrap up that we typically finish off our guests with is this, we've talked about a lot. You've shared a lot. We've asked questions, but usually there's a question that we haven't asked that okay. needs to be answered. What's the question we haven't asked that you need to answer today? Oh, that's a question for me? Yeah. <laughs> What's a question that hasn't been asked? You've asked me so many really good questions. I'm, I'm at a loss, Jeff. Surprise me. Well, imagine this. Imagine that I'm a wannabe. Craig and I are wannabe authors. We're sitting down with you. And there's something you feel you must share with us to be the badass that you are. What is that golden nugget? First of all, you've sat down with me. You know that I'm a badass before I even sit down. Um, <laughs> but uh, when I meet with someone initially, it is developing that, that energetic exchange with someone and making sure that we're comfortable and sharing with them that I'm not afraid to, to dig in and be vulnerable with them. It's a collaborative process. And I think when I, you know, I've led businesses and projects, that has been the biggest gem for me is that all projects are collaborative. Everyone has something to offer. Everyone has something to give and you share that platform. And I do that with my authors. as Well, Well, I love that. That's a great way to finish up the conversation, Jay. Uh, as we do on all our episodes, we want to give you a chance to promote anything in particular that's going on for you or in your business these days. Oh my goodness. So I did mention that I have my badass storyteller intensive 
uh, workshop that I'm doing starting in the fall. I have uh, some summer goodies for, available for anyone who's interested. And of course, you can find that at jherman.com. But that intensive is really digging in, you know, getting into the, the foundational aspects of how to be a writer, what it takes to, to write every day, um, more so than writing a book. It's, it's really the foundational aspects of writing. Well, I have a lot of folks I can direct that way. Oh, yay. So uh, we got your website. What's the best way for people to connect with you, Jay? My website is jherman.com, and that's J-A-E-H-E-R-M-A-N-N.com is the best way to find everything you want to know about me. Right on. Well, we, we always wrap up with a couple of our signature questions, and Jay, my first question for you is, what's the book? <laughs> We're talking about books. What's the book? that people need to read? The Measure of a Man by Sidney Poitier is a very poignant book. I recommend that everyone read it. Every man on the planet should. Hmm. Uh, that's a new one. That is a new one. So the second question for you, Jay, is since you mentioned movies, we'll go movies, but what's the movie that speaks to you about leadership? Oh, God. So so the movie that I just absolutely love, District Nine. Um, oh yeah, probably one of the most best sci-fi movies I've seen in a really long time. But then also how the main character wasn't afraid to sacrifice himself for the benefit mm. of humanity. Interesting. Well, thank you, thank you, Jay, for bringing your bad assery to us today. <laughs> uh, I had no doubt that you would bring it as you continue to bring that for authors all over the country and perhaps the world to help them bring their stories to life. Uh, that makes a difference every day, not only in their lives, but in the world. So thank you for that work and thanks for being here. Oh my God, thank you for the opportunity. You have been awesome and this show is just awesome. So thank you for the opportunity. If you enjoy the Leadership Junkies podcast and you want to grow your leadership, we have a new course for you called Become a Confident Leader. In this course, we will share some of the keys to becoming more confident in your leadership and also to become more impactful. Go to cartavera.com confident to find out more. See you on the inside. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.